Or I am uh, officially recording the first episode of Commander's Paradise. I am also recording the first episode of Commander's Paradise. Hey, uh, welcome to Commander Paradise, um, a brand new Magic the Gathering podcast centered around the Commander format. I am one of your hosts, Tyler. You can find me at, at Twitter at Haas uh boss where boss is a zero um if you want to talk schmack about my bad commander opinions we could get it up in the comments uh who's my other host uh i'm ryan brun at i am ryan brun on everything incredibly original uh don't talk smack to me i get uh very anxious and i don't like dealing with confrontation online so if you don't like something i say just keep it to yourself i crave confrontation online that's why i had to stop getting on facebook because it was just embarrassing for everyone involved that's why i deleted facebook it was just embarrassing for me to watch everyone get involved so i just stopped watching (laughs) well uh Today we are talking about... um, 2021! Yeah, the year of 2021. It is over. Uh, We are now... uh, Thank God. Yeah, we are in the year of 2022. There's a bunch of exciting stuff coming out in Magic in 2022. But we wanted to reflect on last year because it was a really sweet year for Commander, I think. Um, 2020 had a bunch of like really crazy stuff come out, like the free spells and like hole breachers and really kind of stupid things for the format i think personally um they said 2020 was going to be the year of commander and they went really we're just going to break your favorite format yeah um but there's also some great cards and stuff from that year as well of course there are always there's always good cards but this year i feel like if 2021 is like the showcase of how what they're gonna do with commander from now on i think it's in a good spot i feel like there wasn't that many like brand new staples that came out this year um besides some maybe in white that's yeah looking back on like the past year um it didn't seem like necessarily there was like tons of staples as much as it is they figured out how to like create cards that would work in a multiplayer format while still making cards that can work in either like a limited environment or um even like a legacy format i had another thought with that and i can't remember where i was going with it oh yeah no it felt like especially but like in white um they did get some staples like there's welcoming vampire um archaeomancer's map it feels like Yes, absolutely. Archaeomancer's map, uh, the dud that everyone was really excited for, monologue tax. Should we go reverse uh, Wooberg order? Spice it up a little? Yeah, sure, we can do that. Well, wh- what's the card you were thinking of? My favorite green card for 2021 is like a little more niche, but I also feel like for the mechanic, it's one of the better ones. We're going to slam out with Ava Brook Caretaker, which I forgot to write down the werewolf side of it. Um... Let me check it real fast because I want to make sure I don't mess it up. So it's Ava Brook Caretaker, and on the Switch side is Hollow Henge Huntmaster. And Ava Brook Caretaker is four and two green. It has hexproof, and at the beginning of combat, on your turn, put two 1 1 counters on target creature you control, and it has Daybound. And it's a 4 4. So, like, solid. I mean, that's, that's fine on its own, um, especially that it has hexproof. 
it's kind of just, it's going to be a little harder to remove and you're going to put two counters on a creature. It is one creature, so it's a little meh compared to the backside. But, I mean, if you have plus one, plus one counter synergy, it can obviously go a little crazier. Um, but the real nasty bit is when it becomes night, which is the best part of all the werewolves. The real reason uh, this is my favorite green card is Hollowhenge Huntmaster. It has hexproof and other permanents you control have hexproof. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, put two 1-1 one -one counters on each creature you control. And that's the nightbound side. And the way that, that happens is... Um, the, a player doesn't play any spells on their turn, it becomes night, and then if someone plays two or more spells on their turn, um, it becomes day. Obviously, com in Commander, I feel like the daybound, nightbound thing is a little harder to pull off than it is in like Standard or something right now, where it's just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, there's just more opportunity to play spells. Like It's easier to control day and night on a turn cycle basis, not in Commander, obviously, because more people are playing more spells. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it makes it a little harder to like anticipate. You don't necessarily want to slam this out, but they also printed some cards this year that just say it becomes night. So I think this is a great card just because it's a really awesome way to end games. Um, if you have a way to slam it out and then use... Um, Whatever the gruel spell is that makes it night, um, and there's a couple mm -hmm. others that they printed in um, Crimson Vow, you can immediately yep. flip this over. Everything gets hexproof, and then on combat, everything gets plus one, plus one, or two plus one, plus one counters. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like in Commander, especially by turn, like you could theoretically have this out like turn five and just be swinging for like so much more damage. And then if you have like an unnatural growth out and everything's doubling and stuff, it just gets like out of control super Monstrous. fast. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it gives everything hexproof when it's on the nightbound side um is gnarly, yeah. Yeah, it's just so hard to deal with. And personally, I just really love the art. I think the like the caretaker is like a nice little lady with a little puppy with flowers. And then the night side they made like a werewolf pretty somehow. Like it's got like pink fur and it's got like the the dress kind of like billowing off of her. I think it's a, like the design of like the art design of it's really really awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. It's just kind of almost more like someone who's like leading than a lot of the werewolf cards that are like in the thick of it. Yeah, she's like a like a like a madam, a madam werewolf. A madame. Yeah, because she's yeah. really perched up on, like, the top of this little hill, and the moon is, like, shining right on her while the dress is, like, rippling off. And there's also, like, little red uh, petals that are, like, flying around the werewolf or the other wolf and stuff, which is, like, what she's playing with the little puppy with. Just a great card. I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really great, for sure. But what was your pick for green? Uh, mine is a much more low-key um, card. It's not as splashy, um, but I think it's the utility of it is very sweet, um, especially because I'm looking at it and it's only 11 cents right now for you happen on a glade from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. I actually really like all of these, um, like the you cycle where like you do something in a D&D campaign. Yeah, I would say this is a slight spoiler for a little bit later on, but I too am a huge fan of these this cycle it's a huge reminder of like um the old choose your own adventure D D books 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because when you read it, it says, uh, you happen on a glade, two and a green uh, for an instant, which is sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, And choose one. And it's got the like what they did in the D&D set, which I like. It's like the flavor text, which doesn't like matter, but it just like really enhances the flavor. So you can either journey on, search a library for two basic land cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle or make camp. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. The versatility in that is so good because, like, three mana to get something back is kind of like the most you would want to pay, you know, because, like, regrowth is two mana. Yeah, uh, sorcery Isn't speed. recovery three mana too. Yeah, Balagad recovery is also three mana. And then, like, Eternal Witness, you know, the, like, the standard, you know, is also three mana. Yeah. But this is an instant, and it has the possibility of just letting you draw two cards, of getting two lands, you know. Uh, and like I have this in my Omnath deck, where Omnath Locus of Creation, four mana Omnath, because some um, a problem in that deck is getting um, running out of cards in hand, running out of lands to play to trigger Omnath. And so this, if I need it, I get two in hand. Yeah, like if you need to fix your colors, this is a great way to fix your colors. Um, True, yeah. Or if your turn four Omnath is already out, this is a great way to get two more lands into your hand. Um, Make camp if you're running fetches, even. Um, You could just get a fetch back for, what, three mana and get Omnath to the second one, which gets you Wooberg, so you're already going to be ahead of mana than what you would have. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand specifically, which is a slight downside to like Eternal Witness, but like almost like in green specifically, all your best cards are permanent, you know, like what you were saying with uh, Return of the Wild Speaker, you know, like a draw spell or like a ramp spell, but all your like big stuff that you would actually want to get back is permanent. So I think it's uh, a perfect card. I think it's like really good, especially for like casual or like a budget, you know, it's if just for budget. It's insane. Yeah, it does every just the versatility. I I love versatility on cards. Yeah, the versatility of it being an instant is also I think what really sets it over the edge because it's make camp can even just save something. You know, if you say you're running both of what we were just talking about, Averbrook caretaker goes to your graveyard, someone goes to exile it because they're like I cannot handle that again. You're just like I make camp and I'm gonna get it back because it's at instant speed. It's just protection it's ramp um it does get you everything that you need back like you were saying in green everything that you do want is a permanent like in green i view instance and sorceries just as like a means to an end to get to play like my big big permanence like your average caretaker you know like you can get that back yeah, exactly. You know? Or just like, like you're not ramping yeah. into like anything huge, you know, like a coma or um, a crater hoof. You know what I mean? It's just like it's so good. I think it's a great card. Uh, that that whole cycle was a lot of fun. I think it was really solid. Yes, yes. Well, uh, let's move on. What do you think about uh, red? What's your favorite red card from twenty twenty one for Commander? I don't think this was on your list, and I'm sorry if it was. I can't remember exactly. Bad memory. Um, but I picked uh, Stormkill and Artist. Oh, nice. What's that card do? 
Storing Kiln Artist is a dwarf shaman for three in a red from Strixhaven. He gets a plus one plus O for each artifact that you control, and he has Magecraft. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure token, and he's a 2-2. Uh, I did say he. That's not depicted anywhere in the art. I'm sorry, I assumed the gender of the Storm Kiln Artist. Uh, it could be a they, them, cutie. Um, they are just doing their thing. So, But I think this card is just dope. The four mana is like kind of a ceiling that I feel like makes it much more fair. Um, I feel like if it was less mana than that, it could get more out of hand than it already does at times. But the Magecraft, cast or copy an instant or sorcery, make a treasure token for just like, is it storm decks is just so brutal because like, if you're just doing cantrips, you're just consistently replenishing that one treasure that you need to keep digging and digging and digging. And it just really builds on itself. It gets your storm count up, um, or you can just stockpile a bunch of treasures. To go off on a, like on a later turn. Yeah, absolutely. It just, I don't know, it, I think it just scales super well. I think it's one of the best scaling cards for Commander that came out in red this year. Because I feel like a lot yeah, of the absolutely. other cards were really good, but they weren't necessarily like in commander pulling at a ton of weight yeah yeah this card is uh frankly ridiculous i think uh it's it's crazy especially when you pair it with another strict saving card uh archmage emiridus which is magecraft draw card like i can't believe that card exists just like cast an instant sorcery draw a card and and make a treasure oh. And make a treasure. And then I have a Veyron deck, which doubles all your Magecraft triggers. I remember one game, Ryan, I think you were playing in this one, but it was... I had uh, Veyron out and Stormkill and Artist and Archmage Myrtis, and then I had like a Goblin Electromancer effect of some kind, so like my instant sorceries were one less. So I was netting mana every time I cast a stupid little cantrip, and I was drawing two cards, and it was so monstrous. I just can't believe they uh, they made that card. Yeah, know? they build to a really awesome uh, passive board state that kind of resembles like a green landfall thing where you're just like getting rewarded for things that you're already doing. Yeah. Yeah, and that Veyron deck does... It's a scary deck, and it does stuff like that a lot, but the, I do remember that game, and it was crazy because it was just like card draw alone, the rest of the table was like, how are we supposed to even catch up because like we probably like i don't even know if we made it to our next turn but the feeling at the whole table was like he's just drawing so many cards there's no way to not just do it now like yeah because then you you draw into it and you fill up your graveyard and then you just cast some mystics mastery and then you just win well what's the, what's the other card that crazy. deals damage uh for when it, you it gives everyone like 10 10 life oh uh aria flame yeah yeah from modern horizons uh one yeah it's when it enters the battlefield you gain uh each opponent gains 10 life but then whenever you cast an incendiary sorcery on it you put like a flame counter on uh, it some sort counter. of counter a verse counter it deals one damage uh to isn't an opponent or any target I had just pulled it up. It's a enchantment for two and a red. When it enters mm -hmm. the battlefield, each opponent gains ten life. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a verse counter on Aria Flame. Then it deals damage equal to the number of verse counters on it to target player or planeswalker. Yeah, ridiculous. Incredibly brutal, and especially in that deck when you're like netting extra mana, it, it's like impossible to pull out of unless someone has like instant speed. Um, yeah, 
removal, which also for a budget under a dollar. This card is sitting at 99 cents, so. Yeah, I feel, because even in most Storm decks, I don't think it's that great because of the, like, getting 10 life. But with Varen, because every time you cast an instant sorcery, you put two counters on it. So you're doubling, so you're able to get away from that extra 10 life much faster. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first game that you played this card, everyone was like, oh, sick, we get 10 life. This is going to help. Yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're going to be fine. And I think by the end of that turn, we'd lost 25. So like it wasn't even like we gained we we just got absolutely pummeled. It was so brutal. Yeah, Varen is one of my favorite cards, uh, commanders to come out of this year for sure. Because my favorite thing with like spell singing decks is like like little triggers that happen when you cast an instant or sorcery. Like Sprite Dragon, I love Sprite Dragon. I love Prowess or Gutter Snipe. Like I love that, and the and like and that's what that deck does. It's just like take all the stupid little dudes that like care about you casting little spells and make them out of control and obnoxious and it's very great yeah it's a lot of fun Varen's very dope for a set like strixhaven that felt not necessarily like busted busted but i also feel like it had one of the higher power levels for certain things this year um that card definitely pulled out yeah absolutely so, but what was your favorite red card this year? What did you got? Okay, my favorite. I've never actually got to play it in Commander yet, but when I do, it's gonna be amazing. It's Inferno of the Star Mounts, a big mythic dragon, again from Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, and it's just this six mana six six flyer. The spell can't be countered. Flying in haste. And it's got, like, this crazy, souped-up fire-breathing where you can pay a red, it gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. When its power becomes 20 this way, it deals 20 damage to any target. So it's not the most powerful dragon ever made, but it's just so sweet. Like, if you can somehow get enough mana to get this thing up to 20 power, it just explodes and just smashes 20 damage to any target, which is the sickest thing in the world. It's an inferno. Oh, yes, it is so good. And it's just so, so much flavor. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah. And Esper, Esper Ising did the art. I'm a sucker for anything he does. Oh, and yeah, it's boy. just a... It's just a, it's a cool card. I, I pulled it in my uh, my pre-release kit, uh, and I, I did, it won me my first ever pre-release game. I played it, and it had haste, and it just smacked for six damage, and it was lit. I cannot imagine playing against this in, like, a like a draft. Like, this is something that if it came down while I was playing it a pre-release, I'd probably poop my pants. Yeah, the guy was like, "Well, that's a dragon," <laughs> and uh, and then uh, I won that game. And then I, I'm pretty sure I lost. I did not make a good deck um, that pre-release. I got the win with my big dragon boy, and that's all that really matters. I have it in Xenagos, um, so I can uh, double its power automatic, like for free. So it already gets up to twelve. And then if there's some I have other ways to like uh, double power and stuff. Um, like put like an ember cleave on it to give it plus one and some other shenanigans. Um, so the dream is to dome someone for twenty damage and then swing at someone else for twenty damage. Maybe one day. 
but that's that's definitely my favorite red card. Not the best card or anything, but so fucking fun. Yeah, that's really dope. Solid pick. I love that. We're on to black now. What do you what's your what's your favorite black card for commander this year? I was gonna say I don't think this really comes as any major surprise to anyone. I'm saying this to people who have never listened to me before, but to anyone who knows me, this isn't a huge surprise. I'm a big fan of uh Profane Tutor. Nice. That is a that is a good one. It is sweet. It is it is sweet. I really love it. I think it's a really dope card. I just think it's it's a decently affordable tutor. Um lots of them out there and especially for like casual commander um, I think it's really solid because there is the downside of suspend two. If you're playing against literally anything that has proliferate, there's a chance it might not ever go off, um, which has happened to me before in games. One of our friends has an Atraxa deck, and I've, I've seen, I'm pretty sure Andy has just kept proliferating the counters on it. He was destroying us. Like, it was, Atraxa was going insane. I think I was, I was trying to do Dina Exquisite Blood combo or something like that, and I was like, if I can just tutor for this i'll be okay and he got to his turn and he was like oh wait a second i can proliferate those i was like no but yeah i think profane tutor is just a really dope card i think right now it's sitting at like just under three dollars which worth it so yeah but this was my favorite one i've got it in uh i think pretty much every deck that runs black i have it in just because it's like you never know even if you're not using it for a combo, it's great for toolbox. It's just like, do I need removal right now? Do I need ramp right now? Like, I've used them to get soul rings before just because I'm like, I just need a little extra mana right now. So Yeah, yeah, that's what I've seen. I don't know if I've ever cast it. I got one, and I put it in a deck. Um, but I don't know if I've ever actually got to play it. But I've seen people in our play group do it a lot. And typically, they just go get, like, something they need right now, you know? It's not like they're not, like... I don't think I've ever seen uh, one used to like go get a wing con. It's just like, oh, well, I need to remove something right now. Or, oh, I want to draw some cards. Using it as like a, just a little, t- like a, it's kind of like foretelling, you know? It's like, well, I'll set this up now and in a couple turns, I'll get something I need and not even worry about it, you know? Like that's, I think that's pretty powerful. It's not Demonic Tutor, but Demonic Tutor is like one of the best cards in the entire format, you know? Like it doesn't need to be that good. Especially for $3. Yeah, absolutely. And the two mana suspend two, it comes out. I mean, you could have this out as early as turn one if you're Dark Ritual or something like that. But the other thing is it's televised. It's out there, which I thought was kind of the cool thing about the suspend stuff in Modern Horizons too. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like everyone knows it's kind of coming. And there's and if it comes down super early, you're not going to get a win con anyway. I feel like you want that card early, you know, like you want it as soon as possible because you got to wait two turns for it. So you're not going to you're not going to want to get a win con with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like because if you draw this past the point that you've drawn a diabolic tutor, because I've had that happen a couple times before. I'm like, this is like kind of just not great at this point because like, yeah, I'll get to tutor. But like, I don't want to wait. I need it now. You know what I mean? Like where if this comes down, like turn two. Like, turn one through turn three is, like, super optimal. Like, if it comes out in that time span, you're, that's, like, when that card shines. But, yeah, that was my, my pick for Mono Black this year. 
But what were you thinking? What was your favorite to come out of the swamps? I have another kind of low-key pick, uh, but I think it's super good. It's Fell Stinger from Crimson Val. It's uh, two and a black for a zombie scorpion, and it's a death touch. And it's got exploit. So when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. And when it exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life. So it's like a black mole drifter. Ooh, I had never thought of it like that. Because it can exploit itself. So it's just at worst, it's a three mana draw two lose to life which is like that's standard for black you know that's like a like a read the bones you know yeah absolutely it's got death touch it's a zombie which is a very relevant creature type especially with will health running around you know and it dies and in black dies triggers are big because you can ping people you can draw cards you can get energy counters for demon of dank memes you can do all kinds of stuff and it's a it's just a sweet little Little dude. And the art is cool. It's just this giant scorpion fucking up this horse. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I'd call him like a sweet little dude because he is the size of a horse. But yeah, no, I that's that's really, really awesome. I uh, I didn't really think of the exploit and stuff as like a mole drifter because I'm like, I'm a huge sucker for mole drifters. So like that just softens my heart a little bit to this really monstrous boy i think it's just a solid little toolbox card and it like it replaced some of my like read the bones in um because that i i love read the bones three mana uh scry two draw two uh lose two and this is uh just kind of replace that in a lot of my decks like uh i have a, a yara deck one of my favorite decks mono black when a black creature enters everyone loses a life i gain a life and this is like read the bones i would draw cards you know but this i also get the ayara activation and if it sticks around it's a it's devotion for when gary comes out or getting erebos online because i got those in my deck i could sacrifice it later to draw more cards for um ayara's ability like it's just it's so good it's so good because prime when it comes in it's a it's a hefty body for three mana at a three two death touch yeah and that's a good little blocker yeah yeah, that's a great blocker. Yeah, he's a very good, I would call him a very good large boy. Very again, good is, large boy, that is fair. Huge, he's the size of a horse, and I'm going to have nightmares. Also, th- uh, thir- like, under 30 cents, shout out, so. Uh, yes, yeah. Go, we go, pick We up. stand uh, cheap on commons. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get, let's enter our blue period. What are you thinking? What was your favorite blue card from this year? Uh, my favorite blue card was, I don't know, I was going to make a blue joke, but I didn't have anything, nothing fast enough. Uh, shout out Picasso, died too young. Um, my favorite blue card of the year, and he didn't, he died at like... 80 something. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, lived he, a very long life. <laughs> he had a good, he had a good run. Um, my favorite blue card this year uh, was actually one we already talked about, uh, Archmage Emeritus. I just, oh, yeah. Yeah, I just felt like, just again, just like a huge uh, buff for things that you're already doing. And just replacing, you know what I mean? That card replacement's really, really awesome. And I have it in uh, my Locust God deck. 
as well as a storm killing artist. And you know what I mean? It's just like if locust gods out and you're just can tripping a bunch to dig through to find like a wheel or something, which I don't try and run like a ton of wheels in that deck. I think I have like two or three. It's like, you're just making these little bugs, but you're also drawing cards off of him all the time. So every cantrips, two cards, two bugs, those bugs have haste. It's just yummy. It's just a ton of fun. I, I just can't believe they, they made that card. Like when it was spoiled, I was, it doesn't even say like discard. It does not like looting. It's just straight up draw a card, which is yeah, the he's crazy. just a dude. I got a good magic card for you. It's a mystic reflection. Ooh, I do like sharks. The art is cool. It's got weird, like, ethereal sharks. But it's one and a blue for an instant. It can also be uh, foretold uh, for just one blue. And it says, choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. And this card is so tricksy, and I love the possibilities of what this card can do. It's like limitless of like the the shenanigans you can get into with this thing. It's like, are you trying to like copy one of your creature spells? Like you got a bunch of tokens out. What's a good example? Like a uh, an Avenger Zendikar. So Avenger Zendikar enters the battlefield while the plant tokens uh, trigger is on the stack. You cast Mystic Reflection on Avengerous Zendikar. So now, instead of making like seven plant tokens, you're going to make seven Avengerous Zendikars, which are each going to make seven plant tokens. Which are then going to make more Avengerous Zendikars, because it's when... Oh, well, it's, no, the, no, no, it's, it's the, the next time. time. It's the next yeah. time. It is only once. Okay, that's dope. I almost threw up. But still, that's like... 49 is that math is that how that math yeah 49 plant tokens in what's eight avengers of zendikars <laughs> yeah or maybe like like a scoot swarm oh, you have your yes. scoot swarm enter and you're making 32 scoot swarms and like okay never mind i'm gonna make uh a bunch of angry omnath tokens if you want to be mean you could do it to someone's commander so let's say because it says choose target non-legendary creature. It's just anywhere on the battlefield. So let's say I have like a stupid plant. Like I have my own Avenger uh, Zinnikar plant. And then you're about to cast your commander. I can just say Mystic Reflection, target this plant. Your commander enters. And now it's just a zero one plant. And like now it's up to you to figure out how you're going to deal with that. Like can you sacrifice it? Maybe if you're in that kind of deck. If it works out, it's just like a measly, like a one-one or something. No one's gonna bl- like. No one has to block it to like kill it and get your commander back in the command zone. Like you can just totally hose anyone's big bomb creature. Someone did this as I casted um, the the newest Sagarda that came out, mm-hmm. and they just chose one of my little human tokens that uh, Maja Bredegar Protector made. And I was really stoked to have this anthem come in and like buff all my dudes. It was really going to help. And she just came in as like a little, like a, a literal 2 2 dude. So like this angel became a dude. And I was like, well, this sucks. For two <laughs> and mana. And foretell for one mana. Yeah, one mana. Like just yeah. turn two, set it up. You don't have to worry about anyone discarding it, anyone wheeling it away. It is just there when you need it. Yeah. I just shouts out to the foretell mechanic in general. Like, so sick yeah 
really takes me back to the Yu-Gi-Oh days of putting a card face down and ending my turn. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and this one's sitting right around like a dollar, dollar fifty. Yeah, dollar. Yeah, dollar fifty. Um, also, I don't know if you meant this, but it is card sixty-nine of the set. So, oh, nice. I did not. But shouts out. Yeah, shouts out, Mystic Reflection, baby. Officially, card of the year. I'll say you want to get into white. Yeah, yeah. With, up our reverse Wooberg. Yeah, our reverse Wooberg. What is your favorite white? spell for commander mr brun i was kind of tossing it up between two but i uh i think i'm gonna land on uh righteous valkyrie oh yeah because there's i think there was a ton of white stuff that came out this year i'm just gonna lay out like some of the choices i had before this um one was guardian of faith that is a sweet one that one is really cool and the other one was sarah's emissary yeah that card is bonkers Sometimes I feel like Sarah's Emissary might also have the ability to become like a little too stacksy if you're not in like a position to win right away. Mm -hmm. But I went with Righteous Valkyrie just because I think life gain decks are a lot of fun. Um, and this is a card that really ramps that up. It's sitting right around $5 actually, which is more than I thought it would be. Um, which is, but that's, you know, that's what happens when, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is. Angels are always very popular. And like Angel Tribal is definitely a thing. Claire. It's literally both, yeah. yeah. Um, it's Righteous Valkyrie, two and a white, Angel Cleric, flying, two, four. So, like, right there, just like a solid, beefy body. But whenever an Angel or Cleric enters the battlefield under your control, another Angel or Cleric, so it doesn't trigger itself, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. And then as long as you have at least seven more life than your starting total, creatures you control get plus two, plus two. I think it's a solid all-around card. I think it's pretty great. Yeah, I dig it. It's cool. The the extra text, the second little blurb about uh, seven or more life, you get plus two, plus two. Like, that's very solid uh, for life gain strategies. That's, like, a really good buff. Uh, and it buffs itself because uh, it's creatures you control get plus two, plus two. It's not other creatures you control. Um, so it turns it into a four, six, which is pretty sweet. Give it lifelink. You're going to just keep gaining more life. It's going to be good. Yeah, and once everything gets plus two, plus two, when um, they enter the battlefield, they're going to have that anthem. So you're actually gaining more life based on their toughness, too, so it scales as it goes. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's just dope. I think I'm just, I like, uh, I like little anthems that help flyers get in there for the win. I think this is a really solid one. Also, shout out Welcoming Vampire. I cracked a whole box and didn't see one, so I don't know if that card actually exists or not, but... I pulled one. It's pretty nice, good. Hell yeah, yeah. I think that's that's another solid card. Yeah, they get a, a, just a bit of juice, and I feel like the heat is gonna keep coming, which is good, you know. And I feel like white is not nearly as bad. It's just kind of mono white specifically, just is kind of rough. But like, I think like white is still one of the best support colors. It's got the best removal. It's got the best board wipes. It's got the best protection. It's got artifact and enchantment tutors. Um, my card of the year for white is actually a tutor. It's the second best at getting like lands from your library into your hand. Like just go get a planes and put it in your hand or put it on the battlefield. Like core cartographer or like knight of the white orchard or land tax or weathered wayfarer. Like white has spice for sure. And like just pair it with another color and you're golden. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just like the only thing in mono is just making sure that early game goes off. Like as long as you 
like you almost want to have more lands in hand than you would think. Yeah. But what do you got? Um, I got to uh, use the bathroom. Yay. Lit. We're back. We're going to finish up our reverse Wooburg order here with my favorite white card of the year. Search for glory. Ooh. You do be loving snow. Tyler's a snow boy. I do like snow. But so it's a three mana snow sorcery, which can matter. Not really, but it can. But search the library for a snow permanent card, a legendary card, or a saga. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shelf your library. You gain one life for each snow spent to cast this spell. Why I think this is so good is because it lets you tutor specifically any legendary card from your deck. This can be, in white, that's a lot of big bombs. It can be like an Odric. I have this in my humans deck specifically. Um, I have a Sagarda champion of light deck, the new Sagarda. And so many of the big cards I want in that uh, to have on the field are legendary. Because you got Kyler, Sagardian Emissary, crazy card. Yeah, shout out the MF named Kyler. Yeah, right. Our, our little Mormon boy. <laughs> We got the other Sigarda, Sigarda, Host of Herons, the Shadow Over Innistrad Sigarda. You got Katilda, Dawnheart Prime, Lenore, Face Commander for the, the Coven Counters Precon. And that's just that one deck. And it could also be legendary artifacts, legendary sorceries. Like, if you're in Orzov, you could go get, like, a Bolus's Citadel with this. If you're trying to be mean, you can go get, like, a Mind Slaver. You could get legendary lands. Like, you could get, is Urborg a legendary land? Yeah. Urberg, Tomb of Yagmoth, or you can get Yavamaya, Cradle of the Grove, uh, Cradle of the Grove. Uh, like, it's saying legendary. There's so many, th- like, th- cards that you can go get with this thing. And if your deck calls for it, it's super good. And a snow permanent in white is if you just build your deck with snow basics and, like, the snow duel for your colors, like, that ramps you. Like, it's three mana get a land you know which is like not great but it's good in non-green colors like that's super good no that's totally fine i mean that's half a cultivate yeah and for non-green colors that's super good yeah and it lets you get a saga and i i have pulled up all the white sagas and there's some pretty good ones in here notably elspeth conquers death which i think is a really underrated card in commander elspeth conquers death uh from theros beyond death one, the art is amazing, and it's 27 cents for this super good saga where it's, it enters the battlefield, exile target permanent, and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or greater. Bam. Five mana exile something. Like, not a great rate, but it's okay. Plus, it does more things. The next chapter is non-creature spells your opponent's cast cost two more to cast until your next turn. And then the third chapter is return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield and put a plus one plus one counter or a loyalty counter on it. Like, I feel like Elspeth Conquer's Death could just go in any any white deck. Plus, um, Call Time had a bunch of dope sagas. Uh, there's like two for each color pair, and you can go fetch them up. Like Battle for Bredegard or Fall of the Imposter. 
uh, Showdown of the Scalds is pretty sweet. Uh, it's a the Boros one. It's two for red and a white. Exile the top four cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. That's the first chapter. And then the second and third chapter are whenever you cast a spell this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. So there's so much versatility in in that spell because you can get if you like any of the sagas that's just an extra target for you to go get so yes that yeah i just i think this card is super super sweet search for glory and it's like a dollar yeah it's sub a dollar yeah for three mana tutors i think are really sweet on a budget you know obviously it's not your enlightened tutors it's not your like steel shapers gift but this has like almost more versatility than those for for the extra mana, you know. For what you're running it for, being able to go get a snowland, yeah, especially if you're running it in any other colors, the legendary lands that you can go get or like literally any legendary card. I mean, I can't think of any deck I run that wouldn't have like at least four or five targets that would like significantly help the way the deck functions. Yeah. I also feel like this card is just going to keep getting better the more they start printing more sagas. Because, I mean, they printed mm-hmm. a bunch in call time, and I feel like they're just going to keep doing more because they function really well in the game. I think they're a really fun way to do enchantments because it doesn't last yeah. forever, but it, it does give you something specific each turn. I feel like this card is just like only going to get better like over time. And in the Neo uh, or uh, Neo Kamagawa um, like lore panel that they did, um, like Neon building Kamagawa. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Thing they talked about yesterday. Yeah, they uh, they showed off some art, and one of them was definitely like a saga art. It was like it had like a more like vertical layout of the art. So sagas are definitely coming back. Dominaria was where sagas debuted twenty eighteen, and we're going back there. In Dominaria United, so we may get more Saga support there. So this card, as you said, Ryan, is just going to keep getting better. As more Sagas come out, some of them will probably be decent at least. That's the thing. As long as they keep making them, there are going to be some that are worth putting in decks, and there's going to be some that aren't. But also, the more that they keep making them, the more targets there are for this in general. And I feel like your net gets wider and wider and wider with more colors, too. This, I think this... Yeah. This tutor spans well, like, depending on what deck you're building. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And just, like, build around it, you know? Just make all your, like, your basics, no basics. Like, that's going to add a little bit of money to your deck. Or you can also, like, rule zero it. Just say, hey, I don't want to buy a bunch of snow basics, but can we just assume any basic, any planes in my deck is a snow planes? How about that? And, like, I would be fine with that if someone said that to me, you know? Like, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say absolutely shout out the rule zero side of that. I, that's something I just learned about recently. I think that's a solid idea. Snow basics definitely add, like, because if all your basics, if you're running like 20 basics, that's like probably almost $40 just in basics, you know, which if you're not on budget, fuck it, you know, just do it. It just makes your deck that much better. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think that's a great card. So far, I think we've all been dropping heat uh, card bangers um, in this uh, podcast so far. I think uh, if, yeah, if you aren't uh, impressed with us, uh, just wait till we get to this next one. Uh, favorite uh, multicolored card, Ryan, for the year of 2021? Uh, my favorite multicolor card of the year is 
I don't really know. I haven't really gotten a scope of how people feel about this one yet. But to me, it's just a bunch of fun. Rite of Harmony, the Selesnia one green, one white instant. Whenever a creature enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, this turn draw a card. Like, insane, ridiculous. My favorite part of playing Magic is just drawing cards. Like, if I could just, if there's a game I could draw cards by myself, I would just do that instead. But, like, with green and white and the amount of token stuff that you can do, it's ridiculous. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you have a Scoot Swarm out and you have 12 Scoot Swarms. You play this, you play your land, you're going to draw, like, at least 12 cards. Yeah, insane. And But it, also, it lasts till the end of the turn. So then if you play a Cultivate, you're going to make, what, 24 more Scoot Swarms, draw 24 more. You know what I mean? It just it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great card. But then they really decided to hammer it home, and they put Flashback on it for two in Selesnia. So green and white and two colorless. Why? Why? Yeah. Super, super crazy card. And like at worst, at worst, you're going to draw like two cards, which is enough to hit your land drops early game. The two mana versus the four mana flashback, it just works in literally any situation. It is so good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, draw, even like draw two cards off this or even drawing a card, you know, it's like add two mana to draw a card on when you're casting your creature or enchantment the enchantment part is honestly really just kind of tacked on there this could just say whenever a creature enters the battlefield draw a card and i'd be totally fine with it yeah but the fact it also says enchantment is pretty nuts yeah if you're playing like in enchantress and you have sithis and you have enchantress's presence out and every enchantment you draw is gonna net you two life and three cards like wow just a really, really awesome card, and it's it's sub a dollar right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you want to be fancy, the full art is sub two dollars. So, and the art is really cool. The art for all the Selesnia stuff through Midnight Hunt was really awesome. What's the other one where it's, uh, it's like join the the festival or something? Oh, join the dance where you make two. Yes. Or like join the dance into that. That's make two humans draw two cards for four mana. Like that's a pretty good rate. Yeah, it's and awesome. they both got flashbacks, so you can do it, do it again later. Yeah, it's it's it, that's the, it's just the flavor on it is good. I thought the coven stuff was really really awesome. Um, not necessarily the coven mechanic, but the i like the Selesnia idea of coven and the cards that supported it were really cool. Yeah, unless you're talking like Augur of Autumn and stuff, then like coven slaps. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like, Lenore is really good too. She's like getting covered is super easy. Yeah, you uh at the beginning of combat you put a plus one plus one counter on something, then if you have coven you draw a card. But yeah, that was my favorite multicolored spell. I love drawing cards and making tokens, so yeah. But what about you? Um I got another uh kind of low key one, but uh from very early in the year with call time, we got a saga. Um back to the saga talk. But uh binding the old gods. It's two, uh, black and a green, Golgari. The first chapter says destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls. That by itself is just like the whole thing. Yeah, like that's solid. Like destroy target non-land per like destroy target permanent is three mana. You know that's a beast within. That's a um, an anguish of making, or 
vindicate, you know? So, like, three mana, uh, like, one extra mana to destroy non-land permanent is these, you know? But it does more stuff. Because the second chapter is search your library for a forest card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Not a basic forest, a forest card. So you can go get any of your fancy dual lands you want. You can get a shock land, you can get a bayou if you're really balling out, or you can get like a a bicycle land or something like that. You know, any sort of forest. A triome. Ooh, yeah, a triome would be hype. The last chapter is kind of meh. It's creatures you control gain death touch until in a turn. For uh, the third turn, it's out. Um, which is, like, fine, you know? Like, the first time I really played this card was it was in the the Lathrol uh, Blade of Elves uh, pre-con. And when you have all those elves out, giving them death touch for a turn and just swinging is pretty sweet. Um, so in that context, or in Chatterfang, when I got like eight squirrels out, they all, all got death touch, going to swing in. You know, that's pretty solid. Get some chip damage in. But it's it's not the best. It's solid, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, it's totally fine. Uh, if you were running Finn the Fanebearer, this is probably like a, Ooh, yeah. a dope win con. Because... Um, that's fair. If you're going wide with a bunch of tokens, everything gets death touch, and then you have an anthem. You or you don't even need an anthem. I, that's the thing I forget about Finn is it's just two counters whenever you deal damage. So yeah, yeah, um, those first two are great, and for four mana, is it just fits at really any point in the game. It's really dope, and the yeah, art is and like, so good. Yeah, the art is amazing because it's actually like carved into a piece of wood. Like it's a picture of a carved piece of wood. Like that's so atypical you know for magic cards and like that's so sweet and i would love to see more stuff like that in the future and it looks good you know i don't really know what's going on i don't really know what the the old gods are in call time the lore for call time went straight over my head um but i think the, the lore for is, call time went over wizard's heads yeah a little bit there's like 10 realms or something and there's like Bredegard and Vorinclex was there. Don't forget Vorinclex. Yeah, Vorinclex was there. Uh, Tybalt was doing some trickery. Kaya was running around. It was that's the whole thing. Kaya's it, always it running. Was around. just there's like so many characters in what is already such an expansive unit, like such an expansive. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like story to undertake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I thought Coldheim was awesome, but it's also like. I need like three more sets there. Yeah, I wish they we could have got two sets in call time. Yeah, maybe they'll more kind of start leaning back stuff, into it. More god stuff. Uh, so should we move on to maybe our favorite cards that don't have any color? Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go. Uh, my favorite. I, th- I thought there's a, a lot of colorless cards that came out this year that were pretty fun. They made uh. I love mana rocks, and I think that's just, I think they're good. Yeah, absolutely. But my favorite one of this year was Strixhaven Stadium. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually don't own one, which is a huge bummer. I saw one that was in, I think maybe like Japanese in a store once, and I almost got it, but there's so much text on it. I was like, I'll never remember it. I can't get this one yet. I don't, I don't want to like look it up every time I play. But it's sub uh it's sub a dollar, which is awesome. So but it's uh Strixhaven Stadium, three generic mana, it's an artifact, add one color, 
or one colorless and put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, remove a point counter from Strixhaven Stadium. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. Then, if it has 10 or more point counters on it, remove them all, and that player loses the game. I think this is also just fun, because sometimes, like, games of Commander, we've all played a game of Commander where, like, it's our, like, three and a half or four, and we're just like, I just, like, kind of want to scoop, but also I've been sitting here so long that, like, I want to finish the game. I think Strixhaven Stadium is just, like, a really awesome way just like a secondary win con, you know, like a revel in riches or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I run it in. What do you run it in? Oh, sorry. I, I run it in uh Chatterfang and I haven't got to kill anyone with it yet, but the dream is there. Like, it's just this fun little like mini game, you know? to add to your game it's not the easiest thing in the world to pull off which is good you know it's not like super oppressive or anything and it's just a mana rock you know like it just you tap for mana and like hopefully you can kill someone with it like what other mana rock can you just like kill a player with yeah this literally this comes down nine turns later as long as you're not hit which is obviously not going to happen but in a in an optimal world nine turns later you swing in with a little thopter and you just make someone at like 60 life lose the game like yeah just so good you stole their mascot they're sad they're gonna go back to their dorm room and cry Mm -hmm. like it's just it's a lot of fun and also just like solid rocks i think they came out with a lot of rocks but this one being like a little alternate win con in a fun fun way to end a game um i think it's a good time absolutely i agree and what about you my favorite is little card called uh wandering archaic um it's from strixhaven and it's just kind of ridiculous um it's a five mana uh colorless creature uh it's an avatar um and it's an mdfc the more important side is the front side. It's a 4-4 four, four body for 5, which is decent. And it says, whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay 2. If they don't, you may copy that spell, and you may choose new targets for the copy. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I've i played against it on some spell table games, and it's pretty ridiculous. It's like someone got it out, and like they were like copying like cultivates and... like like sorts of plowed shares and like it's just free value or like they got to pay two you know and like that's two is a lot especially for like your instant and sorceries typically those are some of your cheaper spells and so adding two to that is like pretty substantial i mean this comes down like turn four you know what i mean i highly yeah. doubt this is gonna ever come out turn five yeah if it's in your opening hand it's gonna come out way sooner yeah, well, even turn five uh, uh, for this is fine, you know. And then, like, it, like if like is someone gonna waste a removal spell on this? And if they do, they gotta pay extra for it, or you get to remove something of theirs, you know. Like, that's true. It's, just, it's pretty nuts. And it's got a backside. It's got explore the uh, the vast lands for a three mana colorless sorcery. 
um, where each player looks at the top five cards of their library, reveals a land and or an instant or sorcery from among them, then puts the cards uh, they revealed this way into their hand and the rest on the bottom of their library. And then each player gains uh, three life. That's like fine, you know, but like free value, you know, like it's like you got this crazy avatar on the front. That also has a sorcery that could draw you a land when you need it, you know? Like, that's just free value, you know? Yeah, we love free value. I love the art for Explore the Vast Lands. If I ever play it in a game, just m- let me stop playing Magic. Because I just don't know why you would ever play anything under other than Wandering Archaic. Just the value yeah. that you're going to get off that yeah. card is insane. Yeah, but the fact that it's there, you know, it's just like even it's just makes the card that much like it makes it better just because like it it doesn't need to be there, but it is, you know, like so like what? That's true. They could have quite literally just printed the the normal back of a magic card on it. Yeah, and, and like they they, said, they probably should have because explore yeah. the vast lands is not good. But the fact that there is something extra there is just extra, you know. It's just a little little icing. Little little cake, little icing on your cupcake, you know. Yeah, I love just like a little three mana icing on my giant avatar cupcake. For this category, I think we uh we deserve a an extra honorary mention to our boy, our boy, the legend, the myth. He should be legendary. He should. Yeah, you should be able to run this card as your commander. It is the ornithopter of paradise. The crowd goes wild. I wish I could go on and on about how much I love this card. Like when it was revealed, my jaw dropped. And because I it's just the perfect magic card. Because the best thing about the Modern Horizon 2, I think, is like all the callbacks to old cards and like um references and things like that. On top of like making busted ass cards that they do. And it's just a perfect blend of two of magic's oldest and most beloved cards you got birds of paradise super good card been a staple in all formats that it's been legal in um and then you got ornithopter which is just a classic card it's like not the best card but it's awesome because it's a it's a free creature it costs zero mana you know um and this combines them in this perfect way ornithopter of paradise and it's a two mana uh, artifact creature with flying and it's a zero two and it tasks for a mana of any color and it's uh, a common and it's like, a common this thing's running rampant our boy is unstoppable and oh my god I just saw the little head on the art I've looked at this art so many times I didn't realize it had a little head yeah it's oh, got a little bird head yeah that is so cute Oh. yeah like it's just like actual like as playability i think it's pretty sweet because it's a two mana artifact the task for one man of any color like Absolutely. those those like don't exist it's ever like arcane signet you know or like typically that's like a like a three mana dark seal ingot kind of thing you know and like yes it's also a creature so it will die to board wipes but it's two mana you know yeah and it doesn't have haste, whatever, that's fine. But I think the, the pluses of it being 25 cents or whatever. And Actually, it's tapping, literally 25 cents. <laughs> yeah, and tapping for one man of any color is just, it's so good. And, like, 
it's got the birds of paradise thing where like maybe you can suit you can suit it up with a sword or something if you wanted or like put counters on it and make it a flyer uh and use it as a, uh, as a flyer you know but like just so good it's just the perfect little little dude yeah it just makes me so happy too it's just such a cute card it's just like they were just really like here's a cute little dude just doing his thing yeah it's just it's perfect perfect common he's the mascot of the the channel for a reason yeah absolutely i will never not run one if i can and the thing about it being colorless is i can always run one run you i can always run it and i do i run it in basically any non-green deck because it's just solid yeah absolutely i mean yeah it's just any deck that i want more mana in, i'm gonna run it and i want more mana in every deck so i'm gonna run it well i was gonna say what do we slide into next uh land what is your favorite uh single land to come out this year uh, this was actually pretty hard i was trying to think about it because like yeah i had i forgot some... the i forgot to pick one out for this and i'm going through the list and there's a lot of good stuff yeah, there's some cool stuff that came out, and there's some lands that are just, like, they really made some weird lands that are, like, tap for six mana, and all your creatures get, like, a jump up and down or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but my favorite land, my favorite, like, single land that wasn't a reprint that I picked was uh, Treasure Vault. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, That's a cool one. Yeah, it comes in untapped, taps for colorless, and then for XX... Uh, tap you can sacrifice it to make x amount of tokens and when i first saw this i was like oh this is pretty cool like my ceiling for it was incredibly high i was like i want to be able to make like six treasure with it or like some like you know what i mean i want to make i really want to make it worth it but then the more i've used it the more i've looked at it and the more i've thought about it it's like it's also just a solid color fixing if it comes down early game you can even put one mana into each side and make a treasure or put two mana into each side and make two treasure um, just to make sure that your colors are fixed. The ceiling for it is super high. Like, there's always the chance that you could just tap it and make, like, 20. You know what I mean? Whatever you're doing. And if you have, like, an academy manufacturer or something out, too, all those treasures are going to come in as treasures, clues, and food. So there's a lot of cool ways that you can build with it in mind but i think it's just solid absolutely it's i think it's really cool and it has uh it's part of the cycle of lands where they gave it like the the module art for D and uh that the art for that is really really cool it's got like the old looking dragon on it um it looks really corny and awesome yeah there's never now that those D D alt art lands are out i will never not run like the uh, another evolving wilds i still don't have one of those I, I really want one uh just in case anyone's wondering this is sitting right under seven dollars um for treasure vault oh nice uh, it's pretty good yeah which is for the uh that's for the um the alt art one normal Ooh. one is they're both sub seven but like between six and seven that's a good pick it's cool that's that's one of the ones i was considering for sure but i got the i got to pick a different one because <laughs> you because <laughs> yeah, you picked treasure vault well what and did you, what'd you pick i picked hostile hostile or hostile hostile oh yeah hostile hostile yeah it's another colorless land uh, and it's a flip land, and everything about this card is so sick. It's not good 
really, but it's so fun. So it ta- it's a land, it taps for colorless. Um, you can pay one and tap it and sacrifice a creature to put a soul counter on it. Then if there are three more soul counters on it, remove those counters and transform um, hostile, hostile, and untap it. And activate only as a sorcery, which is a bummer. But it transforms into creeping in a big Ooh. horror construct monster house whenever creeping in attacks it's a three seven creature you may exile a creature card from a graveyard if you do each opponent loses x life and you gain x life or x is the number of creature cards exiled with creeping in um and then you can pay four mana for it to phase out why did they let it phase out because it's uh i think the flavor is like it like goes back to being like a normal in oh that's it's, very fun i like that and like it's not a great card but i think it's awesome i think it's very fun it's a lot of fun and i think especially in like a limited environment too this mm-hmm. is just one of those cards that's like just super fun if i got this and- in a draft i'd be so excited yeah, yeah. I pulled it. Um, I think I put it in a deck, possibly. I don't remember if I did or not. But if I didn't, I will. Because it's sweet. It It's very similar to a card I actually really, really like uh, from Shadows over Innistrad um, called Westvale Abbey. Um, it's very similar. I'm sure this is a play on it where um, it tasks for colorless. Um, you can pay five and tap it and pay one life to put a one uh, a one one white and black human cleric creature token onto the battlefield. That's kind of meh. Um, but you could pay five, sacrifice five creatures to transform Westville Abbey and then untap it. And it transforms into. Yeah, it transforms into Ormondal, a big demon. With flying, lifelink, indestructible, and haste, a 9-7. I love Westville Abbey. Like, it's just, like, kind of a bonus thing. I run it in my Alesha deck, and it's, like, maybe, like, I'm not getting my combo out in time, but I got a bunch of tokens out. Screw it. We're just going to make a big, stupid 9-7 indestructible lifelink flyer and just go from there. And we'll figure the rest out later. That's a, I think that's a solid motto. Also, shout out Yavamaya Cradle of Growth. I think that's a great card. Yeah, that card is ridiculous. We want to move on to favorite commanders? Uh, Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite commander of the year? It's a toss-up because I think a lot of really, really, really cool ones came out. Yeah, um, yeah. You could We, we could have some, like, uh... If I'm going to shoot... Like some honor-ups. I'm going to shoot... I'm going to shoot honorable from, like, mentions. the three. Yeah, sure. and I'll give, two, I'll give two honorable mentions, and then I'll give my favorite. Third place... It's it's my girl. It's my favorite, but no one ever likes her, and no one ever lets me play her. That's not true. Everyone lets me play it, and I appreciate everyone in my life. Um, but Coma Cosmo Serpent, uh, I love her. I think it's fun. Um, but I also understand the groans, so that's I don't play it very often. It's just a copy Coma deck, and it's meant to be annoying. Uh, I think I had turn four coma the last time I played it, and that was, yeah, it, it was it was pretty rough. It was a little um, bit of a wake up call. I realized I might have a problem. 
Second honorable mention, we're going to toss out Sithis Harvest Hand, uh, just because who doesn't like drawing cards and gaining life? And then the number one is my werewolf boy, Tovalar. Uh, I love building tribal stuff, and uh, werewolves was finally viable in a way that was like actually fun to play and i think it's a super casual deck it has the ability to go off super hard but like if i get board wiped once i probably just give up you know what i mean like it's super casual it's just draws a lot of cards and punches face does gruel stuff uh it's tovlar is my number one good boy nice he is sweet i'm glad he uh, was finally made and they made him good because uh, like they made him like they, he's definitely pushed as a commander but like it's for werewolves you know and werewolves are not like a powerful tribe so i think it's they did like a really good job making him and he works with like all the old werewolves too which is cool but what about you who's your favorite commander that came out in 2021 uh i'm gonna cheat a little bit but because i genuinely love like basically every pre-con legendary that came out this year like they just kind of fucking nailed it um i'll say like probably my top favorites but honorable mention is literally every single one they nailed archetypes they gave uh support to like beginning of the year lathless elves or uh sorry lath lathral elves was super cool and good and like kind of a different direction for elf ball uh, Raynar was cool uh, because it it does foretell stuff, but it's also just whenever you exile a card, period. So it's not it's a good like blink commander. You ran him for a little bit, um, right? Yeah, I got the the precon um, and then ended up switching it over to Brago just because why wouldn't you? Yeah, Brago is a a beast for sure. Yeah, I think Raynar will be a lot better uh once more foretell stuff comes out i love it as a character in the lore um but there's not enough stuff consistently out there to make it worthwhile without also running stuff that gives like everything foretell but that's also like one or two cards Um, sure but it was a great pre-con it was a ton of fun one of the i think that's the first pre-con i bought since some of the um like planeswalker decks actually when they switched over oh yeah Oh, Raynar, and then we got, um, like, all of Commander 21 this year had so much crazy stuff. Like, Ozgear is definitely my favorite out of that set by a lot. I bought that pre-con, and he was a monster. Like, just there are several games with him um, where, like, it was me versus the entire table. And it took, like, everyone, like, pooling all their resources to bring me down and just knock me out of the game and it was literally it literally felt like i like i was just osgear was this money like this titan it was just kept bringing stuff back making so much mana drawing cards off from artifact stuff and it just so fun um also from commander 21 was varin voice duality doubles from mage tri- magecraft triggers bonkers stuff uh brina um the soul steeper she was cool um our friend uh sean has one and she's always a menace whenever she's out like making political deals and uh, we got ink shield with that deck and that card is just ridiculous and fun so 
uh willow dusk was really fun and cool and like green black life gain is like sweet and interesting and not did not have any support before and it was like good and powerful yeah um, that pre-com so. by itself i ran that one for a while until i switched to just more of like a dina combo deck yeah um but just just it was insane. cool it was a lot yeah. of fun because you could pay a bunch of life gain a bunch of life and then you look at willow dusk and she's just like make a big boy how, how many counters do you want yeah, this boy? <laughs> yeah oh, she no. had the best flavor she, her so story good. was so good yeah she's awesome just being like this bog lady that like they they found and were like well you're cool do you want to work for our <laughs> like yeah they like our university she led students back to the school and they were like do you want to like make sure no one dies out here? But her and uh, Guillaume Master Chef will never. Oh leave yeah, that Guillaume deck. was such a good card. Yeah, like, shout out Guillaume. Oh my god, our chef, our food boy. Yeah, so good. The flavor of him is so good. Like they just nailed Commander uh, Twenty One. That whole set, I thought yeah. was perfect. All those decks were slapping. Um, but. Enough honorable mentions. My favorite commander for the year is Volo Guide to Monsters. Ooh. Uh, two, a green, and a blue uh, for a legendary human wizard. Uh, he's a 3-2, and he says, Whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. And I think he is just so cool... Because one, it's uh, it's a Simic commander without being an obnoxious like value engine in the command zone or a big stupid snake in the command zone, either AC <laughs> or coma, yeah. you or know, coma, or your yeah. or your Tatiovas, uh, you know, just like big value engines in the command zone. And like he is a value engine. You're double, you're copying stuff, but you really have to be specific with how you build your deck which is i which i that's why i really really like volo is because i feel like you can like every volo deck is going to be completely different it's like well which elf are you going to pick which beast are you going to pick which, which merfolk are you going to pick because which shaman yeah sub, subtype shaman so you can yeah run and Steve, he but you can't run anything else like and he is a human and a wizard which are two very 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 prominent creature types so you really got to branch out blue. Like, yeah, yeah, for blue, yeah, um, and lots of green, uh, green and blue humans. Like, so you really got to branch out if you're trying to get his trigger, um, which I think is just like so consistently, sweet. Consistently, yeah, yeah, consistently, and like you don't like you don't you don't need every creature to be different. Like you could probably run three or four elves. That's fine, and uh, some extra humans. That's probably fine, but it's just so fun. It's so cool, and I love the flavor. I'm a DM, so I've like uh, for D and D five E. Tyler's my god. Yeah, yeah, I do DM for Ryan and uh, our friends, and it's a good time. Um, but he, uh, there's a book called Volo's Guide to Monsters, um, and it's just like an expanded uh, monster manual. Um, and so the fact they just called him Volo Guide to Monsters, like that flavor, just hit it out of the park for me. Um, personally, and I think he's a really cool commander. I've not built him yet, but I've, um, I've, I have some, like, I haven't built him in paper. I built him on Architect, um, and it's very, it's very fun. I think it's a cool just deck-building challenge, like, how do you build this guy? And the art's cool. He's just this jolly little dude. 
Yeah, I was going to say, the art is awesome because it's just like a painting, and he's just a happy dude, but he's also got those uh, heads behind him and stuff. And just flavor-wise, hit it out of the park. Uh, what is your favorite cycle of the year? Like, favorite group of cards? Uh, for people that don't know, a cycle is a group of cards in a set that all um, – there's one for each – color or it'll be like a color like color pairs if it was like Strixhaven. What was your favorite cycle? I had to go back and forth on a lot of these cuz I felt like a lot of the cycles were just awesome. I felt like every set the cycles were fun. A lot of the land cycles were great. Yeah. So, like my sub favorite cycle land cycle just cuz I think those are I look forward to those every single set. My favorite was definitely the slow lands. Oh um, yeah. Very solid. Very yeah. great. Just because in Commander, pretty much any, like, they're almost always going to enter uh, untapped. Mm -hmm. And, like, even if it's in your opening hand, if you have three lands, you play the first two first. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. they're really easy to build around. They're not like the fast lands or like the Strixhaven ones where if you don't have something in hand, you're kind of screwed either way. Yeah, the Snarls are kind of stinky. Yeah, they're fun. They're they. I kind of categorize them as like also a fast land. It's like if it's not my opening hand, I kind of don't like seeing it. Yeah, like much better in sixty card formats. I think. Yes, absolutely. Not um, a, not a good commander land. Yeah, just not enough. Which um, is fine. You know, not every card needs to be a commander card. But you know, more is more, and I always would like more. And they're all around the five dollar mark, five to seven dollar mark, which is yeah, solid. Solid. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're not getting it, anything for less than that. So, but my favorite cycle, I was waffling back and forth. Um, I'm actually gonna choose the choose your own adventure style cards, like Happen Upon a Glade from D and D. Um, yeah. Because I feel like they're just a lot of them had so many different potentials like one of the other ones was um what was it it's like villain you find the villain's lair or something like that what yeah was yeah that yeah, yeah um, i think it is you find the villain's lair um but it's like it's three mana and it's like foil their scheme which is counter target spell or like take their plans which is draw to discard a card or something like that for one mana and two blue mana and I felt like all of them fell in that like three to four ish mana range. They were all just super solid modal value cards. And just from the the D and D aspect of it, like we just said, we both play D and D. And growing up, I read a lot of the Choose Your Own Adventure books um, for fun, and it just really reminded me of that. So it's like kind of fun playing D and D and having a choice. Like there's the you spot like two goblins or whatever, and you can either take them hostage and deal like two damage or you can befriend them befriend and make them, two yeah. goblin tokens yeah and every D, D party loves befriending a goblin like that's a that's a classic staple yeah there's nothing more fun here it's uh you see a pair of goblins so okay i yeah oh no 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 okay it's uh charge them so it's the choose one charge them Creatures you control get plus two plus O till end of turn or befriend them, create two red goblin creature tokens. And the funny thing is, is the the art on this one specifically is so funny because the goblins, like, I love goblins. These dudes are so ugly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, some Magix has made some pretty cute goblins. They did not hold back. There's one dude, he doesn't have any lips. His teeth and Ew. gums are in the wind. It's like... 
<laughs> it's brutal, but it's just so much fun and it's so flavorful and also just like so nostalgic for me. I think that was my favorite cycle or favorite like set. Might not be yeah. like a full cycle, but yeah. Yeah, no. Oh, oh, we can count it. My favorite cycle was the un uh, the uncommon legendaries from Strixhaven because they were all like students at the school, and they all fit the like the context of what their college was doing extremely well. And most of them are like very playable as commanders. Like you have Dina Soulsteeper, two mana, a green, and a black whenever you gain a life each opponent loses a life like right there that just goes inf- infinite with exquisite blood you know like that's just that's powerful right there and it's a sacrifice outlet where you pay one sack another creature it gets plus x minus uh or plus x plus o until the turn where it's the sacrifice creature's power so you can make her big um if you wanted to lean more into a, a voltron kind of thing um so she's super good. My favorite is Killian Ink Duelist, though. Or a, just a white and a black for a Silver Quill Commander. Um, a 2-2 Lifelinker with Menace. And spells you cast that target a creature cost two less to cast. Which is so cool because he's a duelist. He's like all about like dueling other people. So, of course, spells that target another creature cost two less to cast. And so you can do like auras you can do like kill spells things like that all are super cool and he's got life leak and menace which makes him good it's like a auras like voltron commander sort of thing i think he's super awesome yeah having lifelink and menace on there is just like a little extra chef's kiss yeah absolutely you got quintorius field historian he's not the best one but he's awesome because he's an elephant cleric uh three mana or three uh red and a white spirits you control get plus one plus oh and whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard create a three two red and white creature spirit token so that's pretty cool um not the best thing in the world but um it does make bodies you could go like flashback tribal and the whole uh lore hold like bringing stuff back from your graveyard thing it's pretty cool, you know. It's not the best, but it's uh it's a fun little card. Rutha, Mercurial Artist, one blue red. Uh, I, this I think is the worst one. Um, it's a one four. You can pay two and return it to your hand to copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. Yeah, I think she's like fine. Like it's fine. It's totally fine. There is like one moment in a game where she'll be out and you are able to do that and copy it and do other the other stuff that you're doing to copy it and go off in a really awesome way but like just not dependable yeah absolutely it's just kind of weak but i mean the like it's still it's fine you know it's not the best but it's cool and then last but not least we got zamone quadrix prodigy uh i think she's the most adorable out of all of them her art is very nice she's just this little little girl uh messing with fractals very cute and she's on the art for solve the equation which is a cool sweet card and she's kind of like a generic simic deck it's about drawing cards and playing lands which is kind of annoying but she's just a blue and a green uh for a nice little value engine and it's not too atrocious because it does uh, you have to pay one and tapper you may put a land card from your hand on the battlefield tapped um so you already have to have the land in your hand and you have to tapper and you have to pay mana to do it um so 
it's uh it's pretty good uh compared to like your acs and your uh your tattoo of his um you know where you're just getting value for just playing lands um so it's a good substitute for that where if you're not wanting you're wanting to do the if you're wanting to do the the simic thing without being obnoxious about it yeah absolutely it's very unobnoxious and pretty fair simic and the other side of it is like if you wanted to, you could run your ACs, your Tatiovas, and your probably not your Comas because Coma functions a little differently. Um, yeah. But if you're running like generic Simic good stuff, I think Zimone would be a solid one to have in the 99 for if you sit down at a table that's like a little more casual. I feel like everyone has decks where they play slightly more optimized and slightly more casual. Um, I feel like Zimone is one of those legendary creatures you could just have in the deck. And then if you sit down and people are like, I'm trying to play like a little slower, a little more casual. You could just like be like, I want to play this deck anyway, but I'm going to just slide Zimone in as the commander instead of yeah. Tatiova yeah, or AC. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's another thing they also did really well this year is that there's a lot of awesome secondary commanders like that. Yeah, because you I you talked about doing that with uh, Dina and Willow Desk, right? Yeah, yeah, it's because they still function pretty much the same way. It's just now as our as our play group kind of got a little more optimized and people learned the game over the past year. Um, I just switched out Dina, but then it's one of those things that sometimes you sit down and someone's like, I don't know if I want to play against a combo like in the command zone, and it's like that's totally fine. I'll just put the old, I'll put the little old tree druid in the, in the command zone, and you don't have to change anything with the deck. You just swap those two cards out and play the exact same deck, you know, and like, yeah. it just like automatically slows it down. Cause you got to draw your combo pieces, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Slows it down. And also just kind of changes how I might even play. Cause I have access yeah. to a different commander, which still functions in the deck, but it takes it in a different direction. So yeah, absolutely. Like I do, I, I've been, I tried that out with my Marwin, the nurturer deck because she is a con like a combo fiend. Um, and she goes like the whole point of the deck is using her to make infinite mana, um, and go from there. But I also have Fraley's, um, Lanawar's fury, the, the planeswalker who can be your commander. Um, and so much slower cause she costs five mana to come out on her own and then she does not go infinite or anything like that. So it's up to me to draw the combo pieces to eventually go infinite and do elf stuff, you know? So it's a, it's a nice little strategy. Yeah, absolutely. It that and that works so well for that deck because I've seen it function both ways. And with Marwyn, it's just a totally different beast than when it is with Freya. Yeah, um, but it's really cool, and I think that's just a a solid build. Like, obviously, yeah, have some decks where you're just like, "Fuck it, this is my like super optimized deck." You know what I mean? Like, I have a Muldrotha deck that's just like only meant for comboing. That's all it does. I have a Demir deck that's all about comboing. That's all it does. And if I sit down and people don't want to play against that, I just don't play it. But I have other decks that you can switch out the commanders so it makes it a little e more even. And I think that just helps. I think that helps everyone have a little bit better time. So, Absolutely. That's us wrapping up 2021. I think we had some fun picks. Definitely some that were a little, I think, under the radar for the year. You know, like not trying to like tutor our own horn or anything. But... If y'all think you have any other cards that flew under the radar this year, give us a little shout-out. Um, we don't have 
socials for the podcast just yet, but if we ever do, we'll let you know. But shout us out at our personals. We're pretty active on Twitter, so let us know what you think, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fun time in Commander's Paradise.